Breaker Breaker, what's your 20? This here's the podcast crew. We're hauling up at 901, about to hit the airwaves. Ready for bookstores, cool chatbots, and the explosive relationships you'll only find in. You've got mail. Well, rev up your modems. Or an earful of. You've got mail. The Ultimate Hacker Podcast. Fans of cinema. Cyber. Hope I'm much alike. That is, if you're not some no good. Superstore. Breaker, breaker, good buddy. Expect in depth analysis, breaking news about the cast and crew, a little internet protocol. And we'll even have a- something for your inbox. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. All right, hello and welcome to You've Got Podcast. I'm Alan. Uh, the show is called An Earful of You've Got Mail. Hello there, Herbie Ockles here. An Earful of You've Got Podcast. I'm Alan. I am Herbie. And uh, we're here. Correct. And we're everywhere, in, any yeah. really, we're anywhere you want to be. That's true, uh, but we live in the internet. Uh, the internet, boy, uh, do we these days! It's all about access, you know. It's uh, just imagine uh, the opportunities it opens to you. So uh, we're we're happy to chat with you about the movie you've got mail, and that's what we're gonna do. So for the next two hours or so, we're gonna break apart. The whole movie, but really we're going to focus on the 14th five minutes. Mostly the 14th five minutes. Mostly that. Uh, we might jump around bet- in, within that five minutes, well, but we will talk won't. about different movies altogether. Who knows? We could. We but could talk about... mostly, you've got mail. Yeah. And mostly the 14th five minutes. Yeah. We might talk about um, Shop Around the Corner. That's a possible. Uh, possible. Yep. Yeah. Might talk about Convoy. Might. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we're going to be doing that. And um, we're going to be doing other things, too. (laughs) What a promise. (laughs) What a promise to our listeners. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Welcome to our first of four segments. Oh, maybe, maybe let me mention, uh, happy 2021. Um, unless you're listening in 2022, and then in that case, happy 2022. Well, it's still good to look back and remember how happy it was. Oh my what, God, what 2021, year. what an amazing year. What, a, yeah, what an amazing, I mean, One it's, for the history books. Oh, the world just healed itself. It did. It just uh, got it got so much better. We got med beds. 
Bed Beds. Gasara was was announced. Everything. Okay. What a year. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, med Beds. You know how it is. I uh, love Med, med Beds. Um, it's 5D stuff. You wouldn't I'm understand. I'm sure it is. Okay. Uh, so we've got podcast for you. Um, this is news, views. News. Feuds and screws. News, views, feuds, and screws. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have a view... Uh, I don't have any screws, but I do have uh, one piece of news and one uh, update on the feuds. We got a huge update on a feud. Yeah. I mean, update is is underselling it. <laughs> well, uh, is this enough? Do you want to, you know, this is kind of like consent calendar. Uh, do we want to, like, table this for after? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. We've got, I mean, we're just going to tease, hey, get ready for a huge, huge feud update. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, our feud update coming up. A bit of news. Uh, after Christmas, I talked with uh, my aunt and my mm. sister at the same time, and I asked about uh, the time that she took us out 12 years ago uh, to the movie theaters to watch You've Got Mail. Okay. Uh, she did not remember any of it. What? Nothing. Did not remember doing it, or just did not remember any part of the actual experience? Zero percent memory of, of, wow. of anything. Uh, she she is she does own a copy if you got mail on DVD it's a it's a twofer has uh, you, uh, must love dogs on the same disc nice uh, and she watches that every couple months but apparently but she does not remember seeing it in theaters <laughs> yeah you'd think that a movie that's she crazy loved, she'd remember it that's crazy the only time she's ever I think the only activity she's ever taken me and my sister to wow and that's our news. Okay, welcome to segment two of four. Yes, I, I wanted to follow it up with, uh, I have audio for saying that, but uh, things glitched out and actually uh, I did not end up capturing her audio. Wow. Well, we could, we, can you just reenact it with her? It, we could, yeah. uh, and it's probably worth doing. Uh, fans, if you want that, let me know, and I can get my aunt and my sister on a call to reenact that. Yeah. But have them, I, I think, you know, given the explicit direction, they have to try and play themselves exactly as they were at the time. I think they should play themselves like I would like them to be remembered. Well, no, no, I mean, the key is it's not, you're not going to have another conversation with them about the same thing. You're going to literally reenact with them the moment where you ask them the question. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Method so it's out. like, yeah, exactly, yes, yeah. Uh, okay, so, um... You've this got spoilers. Is, you've got spoilers. Uh, this is where we've spoiled these five minutes for you. We give the uh, a little look ahead. Uh, we we have a we we got the uh, the details about what's going to happen, and we're going to share it with you so you know what to expect as we do the analysis. Sure. Uh, so, for the do, over coffee, their conversation takes an ugly turn, and they have a fight. Ooh. After which, Kathleen leaves. Um. Does she leave first? No. Well, I mean, she doesn't. I mean, she, does, she eventually leaves. I, yeah. I don't know that I would have. There's I, no lie there. That's sure, true. Jolie's first. Jolie's first, but she does leave. <laughs> so it doesn't. The this, this summary does not talk about Joe leaving. 
it doesn't say Joe leaves, but it doesn't say that Joe doesn't leave. It doesn't say <laughs> Joe remained permanently Joe at Cafe Joe stays Lalo. in the coffee shop forever, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, continuing on. Okay, a little weird. Keep going. She is sure that NY152 had a perfectly logical explanation for standing her up, but is disheartened nonetheless. She tells her friends, and they tell her that the was stood up by him. This plot summary is missing a whole scene. Meanwhile, Joe goes home and oh, okay. resumes his online correspondence. That, move, that skips ahead. Mm-mm. So, I mean, like, he does yeah, go no. home. Yeah, he goes, but there's a whole other Joe home scene. There's also Joe at work scene. <laughs> and there's a Joe at work scene. That's right. Wow. And also, yeah, are they f- her friends? I'd say they're her, uh, her, her, her workers. Next time, we should ask for double the word count. <laughs> if, it's, if it's doable, why not? Although I do wonder... At that point, there's going to be a lot of, like, copy pasta. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's a careful balance. <laughs> all right. Um, so is that uh, is that it? That's all I got for you. You got spoilers. Okay. And that's been You've Got Spoilers. Very regal. Oh, yeah. Is this regal for a key line pie, or is this regal for our feud update? Both. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, do we want to lead off with, with key line pie? No, let's do feud update. Feud, you want to do feud first? Unless you want to put it after the entire analysis. No, no, no. I want to get into feud. I have the email open, so this is good too. feud update music, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you were with us last episode, which we hope you were... Um, if you're not, I think you should. I don't like people, uh, you know, kind of uh, picking and choosing. No, we hate it, actually. Yeah, if you if you just jump in not at a start of a movie with us, we'd rather not have you as a listener. It's like uh, Hitchcock's in with Psycho. You know, after the first five minutes, no one in the audience will be seated. Nice. Is that Was that his... Did he start that? Uh, I think Psycho's a notable movie from the first movies where no one would be seated. Uh, as opposed to like kind of early movie etiquette. It's like, yeah, you come in, you leave. Uh, oh. You know, because like a lot of times they'd also replay the same movie. So it's like, oh, this is where he came in the first time it was airing. Oh, yeah, sure. Like it, like a, you know, something is playing at like a fair, you know, it's like on loop or like an amusement park or like the Main Street Cinema. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's what more a than a fair. cinema. Oh my god, yeah, beautiful building. Um, okay, so we, if you remember from last time, we wrote an email to our friends Michelle and Terry. Correct. And Or Terry and Michelle, depending on how you want to sequence it. And uh, they are the PR people, I guess, for Chip Davis. Mr. Um, Mr. Mr. Christmas, Father I would say Christmas. at least Terry is, he's employed by the music of St- uh, Mannheim Steamroller. Which is a Chip Davis joint. Uh, I think the mu- all we know is the music uh, in Poison. Okay. And um, and then we have Michelle of Missing Peace Group. <laughs> okay. Michelle Silverstein book. So, so, okay. So we replied last episode. We don't have to read the whole email, but basically we replied saying, as another holiday season is now upon us, uh, you know, we'd love to commemorate the 45th anniversary of the song Convoy and discuss other matters, provided Chip is still available. <laughs> um, and we sent this at, I think, what is the ideal ta- date and time for a crew of folks um, managing Father Christmas, uh, which was <laughs> the Friday before Christmas. 
at 8.38 p.m. So, well, you can't argue with success. You can't argue with success. So we got we got an email back from Terry uh, the next morning uh, at 8:58 a.m. So he's you know he's getting getting through the email before breakfast or maybe after breakfast. We don't know when he needs. A little breakfast. over 12 hours. Little yeah, which is a good turnaround. If we'd had that turnaround originally with them, we wouldn't be in this situation. Absolutely not. So okay, so we get a response from Terry. Terry says. Thank you for, the, for your interest, but Chip is unable to do an interview. He has pulled back, actually pulled BSCK. Like, um, like FSCK, uh, pulled, file system check. Yes, pulled BSIC, pulled back uh, BSIC substantially. He's pulled, He's pulled berserk. He's pulled back substantially on interview requests, and currently we are doing only a few very select Christmas interviews. Wishing you a happy holiday season, Terry. Kind of, you know, kind of negged us right there. Then that we're not one of the select. Well, so I mean, the I way would say you we're could, one of the top Christmas podcasts. That's true. So a generous way to read that is, you know, hey, well, you know, we've already booked the few select Christmas interviews. Other than he would just say that. But by definition, the ones they selected. So sure, yeah, and we did not get selected, which you know makes sense. I mean, we haven't really been in touch with them since. Uh, not our fault. Uh, not I'd our point fault the finger at, at them. Since 2017. Um, I mean, yeah, the last four emails on this thread are all me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. So anyway, we got a response. I, you know, we got a we got a Terry response, which I think is you know is something. So I, I mean, have I have a draft response. Should I run it by you? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna just reply and be like, all right, no worries, thanks, Terry. Um, I have a very different response. I bet you do. Okay, run it by me. Uh, Hi, Terry. We honor Chip's decision, but this development brings into starker light your and Michelle's failure to follow up with us (laughs) with our emails in 2016 when we were seemingly so close to speaking to Mr. Davis. Your failure to move the interview booking along has deprived the world of a top-tier chat about Chip Davis' role in writing Convoy and adapting this song to the silver screen in the form of the film's superlative score. If this is truly the end, we have nothing more to say that you let us down, you let Convoy fans down, and you let the American people down. An apology would be nice. Uh, Sign the Earful Gang. (laughs) I don't think that's a good thing to send. Well, we, we have a feud. That's what I feel like... Because I you, mean, let's let's tone it down a little bit. You commented, you commented. Uh, yeah, afterwards, I said, I like, said, I think they well, they've done their job. They've told us that he's not available. You immediately said, "Do we have a few with Chip Davis now?" And I said, "No, Chip oh. Davis did nothing wrong." Uh, that is true. I mean, Chip, right? Well, who knows? Maybe he was the one dragging his feet on the previous discussion, and they were just covering for him. <laughs> so they were in the room. It's like we need to respond. And Chip's yeah. like, and Chip is just saying, it's like, no. Well, the fact slow. that he's now pulled Bazik substantially on interview requests <laughs> seems to indicate that you know maybe in 2017 he was starting to feel like a bit of an overload of interview stuff. I'm reminded of uh, John Updike writing about Ted Williams uh, in the famous line, "Gods don't write." Uh, Write, write back or send back postcards, uh, reply to postcards, whatever. The famous line, which I can't remember. Famous. Famous line, but just basically, Chip Davis is a god. Chip Davis, you know, he can do no wrong. It is his right to be aloof and sure. to not give requests. Mr. Well, Father I, I Christmas. He is Father Christmas. Uh, but Terry and Michelle are mere servants of the people, uh, public employees. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they really needed to respond to us, and they let us down. 
Sure. I mean, okay. So I, I can get behind continuing the feud. Um, so you like the email? I'm not a huge fan of the email. We could stick a pin in this. We could talk about it offline, but that's my that's my update. Is I wrote that draft. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it's very. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's you know if you know. So let's you know if you're someone who's listened to dozens of hours of this podcast, then you probably know that that email is you know uh, serious. Very, very serious, and you know, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, you know that that email is in keeping with you know the way we carry out our feuds, um, <laughs> with, with good success so far, <laughs> with pretty good success, um, you know. But if you're just these poor publicity, actually, well, I shouldn't, should I shouldn't, I shouldn't apologize for them too much. If you're these, no, you know, I'm feuding with them. Yeah, if you're these, you know, kind of borderline competent publicity people, these you know, hot shots, ivory these, tower, yeah, yeah. These know-it-all, you know, these coastal eggheads. Yeah. Um. Maybe at the end you could add like a you know, best of best wishes and happy holidays. <laughs> okay, that's uh, take, taking advisement. I'll, I'll write that in. <laughs> okay, and then maybe tone down. You know. Um, I think the the thing where you call it like their utter failure. I didn't say utter. Oh, you didn't say utter. You say failure. I said your failure to move the interview booking along. Well, okay. Well, I think it's been a bit. What if well, you say your lack of interest or something? Or your not nah, well. Yeah, well, let, let, okay. Let's take it offline. I think we okay. We'll time. take it offline. Yeah. So we won't send an email, but we'll try to get this out uh, before the next app. Okay. Okay. That has been our uh, feud. That has been our feuds. <laughs> I like that. That was that ended up be actually being pretty good uh, feuding music. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, it is time for key lime pie. Great. Okay, so key lime pie. This is where we uh, try to find <laughs> one line, <laughs> one line that uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> I tried to, we're, of course, as per usual, we're in wireclub.com slash chat slash room slash 30s chat. Wireclub? 30s underscore chat. And uh, <laughs> someone <laughs> someone joined the room. Uh, <laughs> um, NY153, which is, uh, um, what's your, is it, is, is your name, what's your air name? What's my ear name? Yeah, is it Hervey? Is it? Uh, I'm Hervey. You're Hervey. Okay, I didn't know if it's Hervey or Buford. I know, I can't keep track. Um, so, uh, okay, stop that. Stop that. No. Um, uh, wrote hi Heartsfire eighty <laughs> one, and then I attempted to write hi hi, but I misplaced my fingers on the keyboard and I can't really see it because the microphone's in the way. So I wrote goo. <laughs> I wrote goo goo. <laughs> You're goo goo. <laughs> Okay, what's happening over uh, I'm there? Pl- I'm playing the music Good Times of Goo Goo in the background. <laughs> okay, great. Good um, So, uh, we have now, we, we're, I mean, speaking of Wire Club, it's very important because what we're about to do is take the key line from these five minutes of the movie You've Got Mail. Yeah, this is the one that kind of cracks it all open. The one that cracks it all open. And we're going to take that and we're going to paste it into the chat room after a brief countdown. Okay, I'm Good. ready for the countdown. I'm ready for the countdown. Three. Three, two, two, one. 
This Will you be mean to him is too? Whale oiled machine, my friend. Okay, so you've got Will You Be Mean to Him Too? And you said, This place is a whale oiled machine, my friend. I liked it. I no, really liked no that match. line. It's good. It's a good line. No match. So what? Uh, so okay. So that's minus one point. Minus one point. Minus one point, and we're currently at how many points? Uh, even one hundred. One hundred points. Okay, very good. So we. That's it. We did a good job of not getting that one. Cool. Um, I had. Okay. So you, you told me you had like four. That's not. Oh yeah, I have. That you want. You want to keep well, going let's, here. Let's okay. quickly riffle through to see. I have one that begins with. Uh, but plenty of people remember my mother is my only backup. Is that one of yours? I don't have that, no. Okay, well then no matches. Okay, you, you, I've you got... Give, you can give one more. I, I have one so more. many here. Give um, just one more briefly to see what your top uh, runner-up is. You are nothing but a suit. Okay, good. Okay, now now please ditch your others because those are way too many. Uh, one runner-up is acceptable for the moment. I but... want... It's really brief. I have one more. He's toast. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, that's, and that's been Keyline. That's been Key. Why? Why? Oh, fantastic. Okay. Always good to get a little Keyline pie in there. Um, okay. So now what we're going to do, this is an interactive exercise. So if you uh, are the type that doesn't like it when, you know, you're watching like a stage play and they're like, now it's time for the interactive portion. Um, <laughs> when you like get in the audience and they do yeah, that. where they're like, we need a volunteer from the audience, and if you if you're the sort of person that like shrinks back in your seat when that happens, because they're um, like, oh they're gonna cuddle, they're gonna cut me in half on stage. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? Anything can happen. So if you're you know if you're it the usually that, does. yeah if you're, you you know you just don't not not comfortable with that sort of thing, just um, click it off. Just skip to the end of this episode. Yeah, the last three minutes where the, we give the uh, last yeah the last two to three minutes is all static content. You'll be c very comfortable there. Until then, we're going to be a little interactive here. So We're going to um, get our arms a little bloody, you know? Yeah, we're going to get our arms a little bloody. You um, know, just like a, like a cut open a patient on the table, you know? this. But the patient in this case is the movie uh, You've Got Mail, 1998. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to take your patient. Geely saw. Your what? Your Geely saw. Your Geely saw? Your Geely saw. Is that a... So that is like a bone saw. Uh, it's a it's a it's a saw used for bone cutting. Okay, good. Um, you're spell, in... spell like the movie Geely. Okay, good. Um, so you're gonna take that. Um, you're gonna slice uh, the movie you've got mail into five minute chunks. You're gonna okay. grab the fourteenth of those chunks. You're gonna loop it. You're gonna lock it. And you're gonna get ready to play it with us, uh, and we're gonna sync it up together. It's... Sit back. Sit back, relax, and sink. Um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to do the countdown. I'm ready to do the countdown. So, uh, okay. okay. So we're going to do five. Five, five, four, three, two, one. Go. Okay. Pretty good. Well, we'll see when he has... You know that Hank This method just... I mean, this method has produced better sinks than any method we've had previous. I didn't lie to you. You did too. Yeah, just like method acting. No, I didn't. Okay, so uh, we're, we're, no, we're no rolling. We're in the analysis. No, you did 
did too. I think and we are only 23 minutes to get in here. Well, we had a whole feud to deal with. Yeah. We had, you know, there's a lot going on today. Yeah, and I'll say this. Uh, speaking of a lot going on today, unlike last week, we have more than one scene. I am Kimberly. We do. We have several. There's a lot of action here. So we got the conclusion of the cafe. We have the conclusion of Cafe Lolo. Cafe Clusion. Cafe Clusion. Uh, that's scene one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, scene two, I would say it's one scene with two sub-scenes. Oh. I would call it the dream scene, the dream sure. sequence, which has Kathleen at home and it has Joe at home. Okay, why is it a dream sequence? Because we hear uh, Dream by Roy Orbison. Oh. Okay. Sure. I, I feel they're thematically linked in that sense. I call sure. it one scene. Okay. Would you call it two scenes? No, no. One scene seems fine. Okay. Yeah. So one scene, two subs, and scene three uh, is at Fox and Sons Bookstore. Oh, yes. We finally get back to the workplace. Yeah. And what a joy it is. And then finally, uh, scene four is a shop opening uh, and, uh, you know, date, date, uh, date analysis. With Kathleen Kelly and staff. Correct. You know, that's, that's what I love to do with my boss. Yeah, is talk about their uh, their romantic uh, escapades. Yep, it's truly truly a pleasure. They're a, they're a family there at Shop Around the Corner. It's you know yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's very tight knit. Uh, okay, so with that, I'd like to talk about scene one, then scene two, sub scene one, then scene two, sub scene two, then scene three, then scene four. I think that would have a good flow. I'm close to that, but I would actually like to take scene two and talk about both the sub scenes at the same time in parallel. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, talk about one. You talk about the other. Let's let's see what happens when we get there. But let's you know, right. deal with that when we get there. Oh, but, but in any case, uh, scene one. Let's let's talk about it. Sure. So they're still in the cafe. That's where we left off. Correct. Yep. And um, things get you know things get a little nasty. <laughs> Here comes Mister Nasty. <laughs> um, I will point out. I mean, the first thing I noticed uh, about this is Justin Trudeau. Um, <laughs> is um the fact that the tea is still on the table because i just i bookmarked that i wrote that down because you never know we might actually be a little you know dire for drink of the app here so i i kind of forgot about that i know so she's still got the tea on the table so i think we can still count that so i'm gonna gonna hold on to that in my heart um throughout this five minutes um and then we have a couple uh well actually really just one additional gag um in the in the cafe. I think there are hundreds of gags. Sure, sure. I mean, we have one big one. Uh, the the, uh, the pie in the face. <laughs> yeah, when they guess. When when she pulls a pie out from under the table and slams it in Tom Hanks' face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we, you know, so they're there. They're there. They talk for a bit. Um, they and chat. They, they chat. They spar. Yes, we, we should listen to it next time around here. I'd say, and then, okay, it's a little bit long. I'd say let's listen to it until he stands up. Sure. And or at least sits down, and then we'll get it again uh, for the rest of it. Maybe there's this long, slow burn. We might have to stop there, so we'll... we'll oh, we'll when they light it. the tablecloth on fire? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's his, a long, yeah. slow burn. Very slow. Thankfully, very slow. <laughs> yeah, it's a fast burn. Like, oh, it's a very thick tablecloth, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the, I mean, the one, the gag I was referencing is this, is the, like, you know, the, there's a man who walks in who's in a cape, um, looks like, I, so I thought, looks like Cyrano de Bergerac was my, was my read there. His nose was shorter. His, well, he's got a substantive nose. 
Um, it's a nice meaty nose, not very long. Yeah, but you know, could also be um, you know, what's the what's the um, he looks like the Adam Sandler character Opera Man. That's what sure, I wrote down. Sure. What's that? Um, you know, Count of Monte Cristo. Could could he be a character from Count of Monte Cristo? I think the main thing about him is he lives in 1990s New York. So, like, you know, in the age of Cyrano de Bergerac and Monte Cristo, everyone had capes and stuff. So um, not 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 interesting. Sure. Well, no. Okay. I mean, so he's he's clearly coming from like acting in a play or something. Um, you don't know that, but I do. Um, but but the gag is that he's you know he's like this romantic character. Um, oh, you know, like a sort of an overly romanticized character. Could he be someone from, um, oh, here we go. Hold on. You know what that hanky reminds me of? Mm. First day I met you. First day you lied to me. I didn't lie to you. You did too. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I did not. You did too. I did you not. You did too. I did you not. Did. You did too. I thought all that Fox stuff was so charming. F-O-X. Well, I didn't lie about it. Joe, just call me Joe. Sure. As if you were one of those stupid 22-year-old girls with no last name. Hi, I'm Kimberly. Hi, I'm Janice. Don't they know you're supposed to have a last name? It's like they're an entire generation of cocktail waitresses. Look. I am not a 22-year-old cocktail waitress. That is not what I meant. And when I said the thing about the prize club and the cans of olive oil, well, that's not what I meant. It's not what he meant. Okay, so I think that's a good time to... to okay, pay. all right. Now he's at her table. He is at the table. He's made yeah. the old table swap... Uh, and there's the man. There's the See, man. that could be Cyrano. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, in the screenplay, offhand, uh, Opera Man is not there. Uh, they made it, They made a choice, I think, to... Uh, and I think a very good choice. Could I say Opera Man reveal? Good gag? Sure. Uh, in the screenplay, after the original, it was two older ladies. Uh, then enters, it was a, uh, a cross-dresser, a transvestite. Mm. I'm not sure what a drag queen. It's written as transvestite. Well, that could be, I mean, this that, this guy could could very well be that. Uh, well, I mean, he's not actively a transvestite. Well, you, you don't know that. Well, I mean, I think in, in the way it's written in the screenplay, I think it's supposed to be... Which would be like, make it really obvious, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- <laughs> and, and, and he says the same line, oh, I don't think that's him. Uh, which, you know, I mean, I'd say uh, it's on the verge of punching down. Because, like, why, you know, why do you say that? Well, uh, I mean, I get the, I mean, it's a it's a cheap joke. Um, I, I Having a weird man in a cape come in is much funnier. I think it's, it's really it's, good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's one of the best changes. <laughs> no, I think it's very good. Because, well, again, it's going back to, it's, this is like the classic romantic figure, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's no, it works on that level too, because yeah, it's not only like if it was like you know a clown or any sort of but like classic, yeah, no, it's like it's like oh, here's Prince Charming, look, yeah, (laughs) but he's he's also a guy who's like this like weird bloated man in his 50s (laughs) who just looks ridiculous. It's it's a very good gag, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, good on the Efrons for that change. Original, not good gag, uh, um, good, good, good edit, yeah, Uh, it's a it's a get it. It's a get it. So okay, so let's talk about a few a few of the exchanges here. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's really just one big one. I think there's a couple ones where they talk. Well, there's big things like you lied the first time when you met. Well, he, he and sees the he didn't. He didn't. He's he, more professional. No, I, I think than he that. did. I think he, he did. did I not lie. He when li- did he, he lie? Did, he did lie. He did he, not. He lie. did lie. He did lie. He did lie. He did lie. He did not. He did not. Uh, so Did he, not. Said, he well, he first says that he sees the handkerchief. He's like, I remember when I first saw you. Remember our early days? I saw that handkerchief. 
Uh, and then uh, it's like, oh, that's when you lied to me. It's a weird, you know, weird non sequitur, but sure. Well, I mean, she doesn't like that. I mean, because originally that was a good exchange. They both enjoyed it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she feels that he lied by omitting that his name is Joe Fox. That's not, you can't lie by omission. That's not. Well, if, if he says, what's your name? And says, Joe, just call me Joe. That's fine. And she says, that's not acceptable. Your name is not Joe. When I say give me well, your name. Well, if she should... asked him what is your full name and he said Joe, then that would have been a lie. But she didn't. Uh, let's check the script. Let's see. Uh... Actually, okay, I'll do. I'll do actually check the lines to make sure. She asked him this. what is your first and last name or what? what is your full name? What is your legal legal name? What is your what name appears on your driver's license? Like, okay, so he any starts... of those questions, you know. Uh, let's see. He says, may I ask who you are? She says, Kathleen Kelly. I own the store, and you are. So she says, "Give me your, you know, real ID, your your person. Like, who, what is your well, legal personhood?" Eh, I mean, give me something to call you or like. She sure. says, "Kathleen Kelly. That yeah. is a a unique, distinguishing name. Yeah. They, don't, they don't allow two people with the same name to live in New York." And I own the store. I own the store. I own the place. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, it's like that's pretty much everything you need to know about her. Yeah. And you are. And he says. Joe, just call me Joe. We'll take these books. So in a lot of ways, he does he does avoid her question. Who are you? And he, he says, avoids her question, but he doesn't he does not produce a lie in response to her question. Well, I mean, I, that's that she disagrees. Okay, all right. Uh, and then, um, I mean, this line over here is uh, first day you lied to me. I didn't lie to you. You did. No, I didn't. No, I did. Uh, and then he says. Well, I did lie about it. Joe, just call me Joe. And then she goes on about why that's not acceptable. Sure. And why is it not acceptable? Hello? Oh, no, I was just listening to the movie. Okay. Well, I was going to say, why is it not acceptable? Oh, why is it not acceptable for him to say, just call me Joe? It's totally acceptable. Well, she says it's not because that's what 22 cocktail waitresses do. This doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, is that, you know, when this starts, she doesn't really give an argument over that as much as it just kind of goes on like a stand-up style riff. Yeah, right. Which is really the kind of core of their interactions. Is them just kind of riffing on on life, yeah, yep, and not really engaging with each other, so not not really surprised. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, and and he says, uh, he says, and he doesn't really respond or engage on that except to say, "I am not a cocktail waitress." No, I mean it's not only like it seems like this really is what gets to him. He's like, "Okay, call me a liar, whatever. I'll, I'll push back." He's like, "Oh, you're just like a 22 year old cocktail waitress," and for whatever reason, he stands up, moves across, and like, honestly, the angriest I've seen him so well, far. It's, I, it's and he less says, of, "I am not a 22 year old cocktail waitress." It's less about the content; it is more about the fact that she is in full on ranting, you know, ranting and raving against him mode. She's zinging. She's zinging and zagging. Zinging. Here comes Miss Nasty. Yes, and that, and he is responding. I think more so to that, which is like, this is she's actually attacking me now. I mean, this you know, is it the fact? Is he, does he is he impervious? I don't say impervious, but is he just he will not accept criticism in any sort of way? 
No, no, no. I think a totally different thing is happening here, which is he is see like these moments we're watching right now where he is sort of silent and and you know uh, apparently doing sort of well no he's i think he looks kind of introspective actually because to me i mean this this to me is a moment of self-realization of oh is this how the world sees me yeah i think that's i think that's true right this is like oh i thought i was actually cool but this, you know, this sort of, you know, um, not really a neutral observer, but, you know, but this, this but this person who, because he knows, he, he actually trusts her opinion, right? Because he knows who she is. So he actually values and trusts her opinion here. And she's giving Does him he? a very negative opinion of himself. And it's kind of a wake-up call for him, I think. I, I think he's drawn to her. Uh, he's, 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 he finds her enchanting. I don't think he really respects her opinion too much. I think he wants to impress her. Yeah, so so far, has he ever gotten pushback uh, so far in this movie and or in his yes. life so yes, far? Yes, he did. Uh, the mohair couch incident. Uh, well, I mean, his, 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 his father and grandfather are allowed to kind of beat him up. <laughs> um, has he gotten, like, real pushback, though, of saying, like, you're not so great? Uh... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, here's a question too. When he went in, what was his goal? What was his goal of, of going to Cafe Lalo? Um, well, again, I think it's it's in a way, um, compare and contrast to his goal when going to the front of the cash only line at Zabar's. Uh, okay, okay. It's a very, in some ways, pretty similar. He well, interjects himself in Kathleen's life in a way in which was unasked for unpleasant but really in you know ostensibly an aim of some sort of goal right i mean i or or kind of i guess asserting his you know um his superiority in in a sense i mean in zabar's it's it's you know it's more about the you know his his financial superiority or not really it's about his you know conviction or um uh you know ability to convince people superiority was it a form of one-upsmanship in that sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And then in this case, it is more, um, I guess, his... I mean, in this case, it is his superior level of knowledge about what's actually happening, I guess. And maybe He that, does have an edge. He does. I think maybe this kind of... He thought this might play out in the direction of, uh, you know, I could kind of turn this into a funny thing or, I, or like a, you know... Uh, yeah, I think in both cases... I think he came in kind of without a plan. Yeah, yeah. And the plan is, I'm going to improvise. I will be charming. Yeah. My charm and natural on my feetedness will get me ahead, and I will yeah. somehow score some points. Uh, and and Zabar's worked perfectly. He actually, uh, you know, scored one outcome, which got like I think just a pure wantsmanship, and that he gave her a favor against her will. That's yep. a huge one ups thing. Yep. Uh, and here is. Like, <laughs> okay, let, let's listen to this. And when I said the thing about the prize club and the cans of olive oil, well, that's not what I meant. Oh, you poor, sad multimillionaire. I feel so sorry for you. Take a wild guess that that's not him either. So who is he, I wonder? Certainly not, I gather, the world's greatest living expert on Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. 
but somebody else entirely different. So this will is you be mean key to him too. too? No, I key will line. not. Yes. Because the man who is coming here tonight is completely unlike you. The man who is coming here tonight is kind and funny. He's got the most wonderful sense of humor. But he's not here. <laughs> well, okay, now he's lying. If he's not here, he has a reason, because there is not a cruel or careless bone in his body. But I wouldn't expect you to understand anybody like that. You with your theme park, multi-level, homogenize the world, mochaccino land. You've deluded yourself into thinking that you're some sort of benefactor bringing books to the masses. But no one will ever remember you, Joe Fox. And maybe no one will remember me either. But plenty of people remember my mother. And they think she was fine. And they think her store was something special. You are nothing but a suit. Kill shot. So let's let's leave off here. A lot to chew on. But let, let me finish yeah. my thought really briefly. Okay. Uh, he did go into the... He went into the restaurant. He didn't have to. With a bit of knowledge. The knowledge is, I know that... I am the person who wrote the uh, emails. She does not. Yes. Yes. Which is, I think, an excellent piece of uh, of knowledge to get a one one ups on her. Well, there's the one ups, then there's also the just sort of gathering additional knowledge, and that's why I was, you know, it's sort a recon of pointing mission. out. It, it is. It's a bit of a recon mission. I mean, he specifically references Frank. Um, well, let's get to that in a second. Okay. Um, I mean, that's the thing. He knows. He knows a lot about her, but. Uh, I mean, so compared to shop around the corner, when Krolik goes in, uh, his plan is kind of, I think, a little bit. He comes in, I think the implication is he wants to kind of spill the beans, let her down easy, and say, oh, yeah, you know, this isn't happening. And actually, it's only her making that difficult for him, which makes him <laughs> kind of uh, have to pull back, and he just kind of, you know, is... You know, it, it's it. He tr- I think the implication he comes in to, with with genuine intentions. I guess I, I think that's the thing. He kind of yeah, wants a letter, like yeah, you know. Jimmy Stewart being being genuine. I mean, who would have thought? Whereas, in in the, you know, I I don't really see that he has any kind of. I want to let her uneasy because I think Joe Fox generally dislikes her. He believes he dislikes her. He believes he dislikes her, but I think he's still he's sussing it out a bit. Sure. And I think that's part. Again, I think I do absolutely think of it as a recon mission. So, yeah, I think it's that's the thing. Don't hesitate to go in. Every action you take, you can come with more information. But let's talk about Frank. Sure. The world's leading expert on uh, uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Correct. Uh, Which is, it's really funny that he remembers that so specifically. The line he says here is, I'll take the wild guess, that's not him either. So who is he, I wonder? Certainly not, I gather, the world's greatest living expert on Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, but someone else different. And will you be mean to him too? Which, so this is him confirming, hey, I saw you with that other guy. You're not serious about that other guy, right? And she basically confirms it. It's, yeah, the the question, yeah, it could be read one of two ways of just saying, yeah, I guess, like, what does he believe that she believes that he knows about why she would be here? Because um, she doesn't really say who I, who she's with. So it's like the implication, one, oh, you know, you're cheating on Frank with yeah. someone else. He, he he wouldn't believe that she would know enough to know that about 
No, not really, but I think they, he's... He I, only saw her together with him once. But, no, but but the, where this is coming from is a... They are mutually unimpressed with Frank. And and, and especially his, his chemistry with her. And he is expressing to her... The way you're describing this guy, he is certainly not that dude you were with when I saw you last. That's funny. Which I think is... I mean, I think that works. I mean, he's just... He's a neutral observer in that. And he's right on the money. Yeah, imagine if it was just like, you know, kind of his frame of reference. Uh, if they had no email exchange, he has seen her. He has seen her in person uh, only three times, uh, not including kind of like the coffee shop duck out. There's, there, well, there's, uh, yeah, there's the shop, there's Zabar's, and there's um, the party. The party. And, yeah. you know, there's kind of the, the a few exchanges he saw on our TV. But uh, yeah, not in person. Wait, and then was there uh, was there was like a store? Were they on the street? And there was like a moment where. Uh, well, when the pilgrims going by, those are the brief fleeting encounters. Yeah, the fleeting encounters. Yeah, the fleets. Yep, the fleets. Uh, yeah, so I think those don't really count. But mainly, how does he know about the relationship with Frank? He saw her with Frank at the party. Yep. Uh, and he knows she's not married. Yep. But she hopes to have a kid someday. And he started with Frank. It's like, oh, they seem, they just have kind of like couple energy. Well, I mean, coming, then going to a party together. Frank and... was part of the, Frank was part of the uh, rally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he may, he may have observed that as well. So it seems um, like he would know they seem to be somewhat committed. Sure. Uh, but, you know, you don't, you don't know that for certain. I mean. And, and it seems like, okay, you're excited to meet someone here, and it's not that guy, which means either that you've terminated that relationship or you're cheating on him. You know, whatever works. Uh, whatever, or you're just not, not that serious about that relationship. I mean, they went to a party together that, that you know, But doesn't... you saw their energy. <laughs> sure. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they're in an exclusive relationship, right? So, Not necessarily, but, you you know, you read, you read hints. Uh, line before that, I just want to kind of pick apart one more thing before we get back into that is uh, he brings up that olive oil thing. It says, when I said the thing about the price club and the cans of olive oil, that's not what I meant. What does that mean? Um, so wait, uh, yeah, remind me, when did he say that? At, if, at Vincent Mancini's party, he says, yeah. uh, you know... Okay, let me actually get the actual line, so yeah. I want to make sure I got the Price Club thing right. Uh, it says, we are the Price Club, except if I'm in the book business. Instead of a 10-gallon vat of olive oil, 399 uh, we sell cheap books. I'm a, was that, am I spying for you? Absolutely. I'm spying your crappy little store, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then then she brought that up later on the news, saying, oh, he said his store like a Price Club. His books are like olive oil. Oh, so this is him. Right, this is him rebutting the news story. <laughs> yeah, it's you know. So some people watched it who thought that. Uh, by the way, on the news story, she says, uh, "Oh, his employees they don't even read," uh, and they thought that was like a very classist thing to say. It's like only our little niche bookstore has literate employees. Well, she doesn't mean they can't read. She means they don't read literature which still pretty classic well no i mean I, you could read it that way you could also read it as okay you're hiring employees for your bookstore are you going to filter by general competence or are you going to filter by knowledge of like domain knowledge of books right 
And if you're a large chain, you're probably gonna gonna filter by general competence and just try and hire people who will do a good job at their jobs. If you're a special if you're a specialty bookstore, you're gonna look for people who have domain knowledge of the the books that you you know need them to be able to recommend to your you yeah, know, to your clients. George Christine right? are incredible. They're <laughs> world class, world class, absolutely the best in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Absolutely. I I mean I, I read it more as that. I think it's you know it's a just what what is their hiring criteria versus hers. Now I mean I think she's completely she's not in a position to make this argument because clearly her staff are not are you know are are, are not the most uh, uh, deep um, you know uh, deeply knowledgeable people about the world of literature. But yeah, always look for excuses and say maybe your actual store product isn't that good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But but yeah, Joe is so defensive. First, he's defensive, saying, I'm not a 22-year-old cocktail waitress, which I don't know if he just kind of just instinctively is just feeling like he doesn't like insults. So he's sure. just, I don't, yeah. I don't know if he's really, uh, you know, because I'd say he is. I think he is a 22-year-old cocktail waitress. Yeah, in spirit. In spirit. Uh, and then, you know, uh, yeah, and then the, bring up the Oliveville thing. It's just very odd. I think he just doesn't like. It's like it's like Trump. He doesn't like the fact like anyone brings up any statement of his out of context. Yes, just, I did. I, I mean, yeah, I read it. It is a bit a bit Trump like. It's the like, I need to make this non sequitur response to a thing that someone else was nitpicking of a thing that I said. You know. Yeah, but not with like a whole lot of picking apart why it's unfair. It's just like you you can't be unfair to me. <laughs> yeah, Don't exactly. quote me like that. Um, and then I and then so the conclusion you were nothing but a suit. Um, well, okay. There's more between oh, that. Let's okay. not get ours. Oh, homogenizing the world, Mochaccino land. Well, one more key line. He's okay. Uh, he says, you know, certainly you're not meeting Frank. Will you be mean to him too? So, seem, seemingly literally, he's accusing her of being mean to Frank. No, 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 no. Not to no, no. She, Oh, that's what the line says. I thought he was talking about. I thought he was then pivoting back to the person she's expecting. But no, she, okay. So it says, "Opera band is not him." Yeah, and I'm guessing the guy you're meeting is not Frank. Will you be mean to, to this guy? Frank also, too, really? No, to this. I thought it was to this guy, to the guy you're you're gonna meet. That's what he's saying. Will you be mean to the new guy? Too? Yeah, that's what I meant. Is like, oh, it, yeah. It was, he's saying. Hey, you seem to treat everyone, you know, all the guys in your life pretty badly. Are you going to be mean to this guy, too? Yeah, so she's saying that he is saying that Kathleen treats Frank badly. Uh, uh, yeah, because she's out at a cafe uh, you know, so meeting e- other either, men. Yeah. Either it's a she's cuckolding him or when I saw when I saw uh, you at, the party, at, at, yeah. at Vincent's party, you were mean to him. Is that fair? I don't think she was that mean. No, no, there was not. There was nothing at the party. This, I, and the yeah. other thing is, the other way to read that is saying, like, well, in general, you're mean to me. Will you be mean to him like you're mean to me? Which is, I think, just kind it's, of pretty yeah, narcissism. I mean, right. It's not the, it, yeah, it's very uh, self-absorbed. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, she's a pill. She has a great line coming up in a future I, scene. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, but I, I think it just, he's you know, he's lashing out. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then he said, she Which, says, if you follow the trajectory, I mean, remember last five minutes, if you look at his emotional state, I mean, he, you know, he was, he was like, you know, completely manic outside on the, you know, railing, just like, he was, he was I mean, like, the adrenaline was pumping out was euphoric. there. Yes. And then, and then he comes inside and has this, you know, fall to earth moment where suddenly he's being criticized. 
Yeah, I guess he kind of came in with his whole, like, suave armor on. Yeah. But then it kind of fell apart because she just, like, said a few, I think, uh, I think solid well, zings. Again, and, and then he's like, she's zinging me? It's that, and it's also, I mean, the zings are coming from someone who, A, he would like to impress, and he is failing to do so. And B, someone who he does feel a degree of connection with, you know, yeah. or, or knows that he does. But he also feels that he can push her around. Because, you know, it's like, okay, sure. I know yeah. Kathleen. Last time I was dealing with her, I can come <laughs> in, do my cool, suave act. Yep. And she is no threat of Zing. Yeah. Z- Zing threat level, uh, I guess, blue. Yes. Uh, if, if, maybe even less. But then he, came, he came in. He comes in. He tries to pull a cloth. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it does not pay off. Yeah. Uh, she says, the man, I will not be mean to this man because he's unlike you. He's kind and funny. He's got the most wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> um, which, I mean, again, like, again, one more connection to the shop around the corner. It's They do not show their letters in that movie. The letters they do show in the movie, they are like, I think they're kind of, they're derivatively just kind of stealing from love poetry mm-hmm. and they're very kind of substanceless and kind of you know uh, but this goopy. i mean yeah this helps avoid the um the studio 60 problem right where you know if you if you actually try and if you've got to write world-class letters at, you know in addition to making the movie you know you don't do you have a chance of succeeding at both i don't know oh no i think the thing is like really sharp around the corner i think part of the thing you take is her letters are genuinely mediocre because yeah. they're mediocre people but yeah. that's okay yeah people are mediocre yes uh, whereas this they show their emails and the emails are supposed to be funny but they aren't really kind or loving they're just they are weird narcissistic riffs to themselves and, uh, I mean, they are they are fun observations on the world. I think there's nothing to say that may, may be funny, but Joe Fox is funny. He is. Is 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 is, is, is NY152 kind? I see no indication he's kind. Um, the only thing that makes me think he's kind is that she asked, can you help me with my business? Says, I'd love to help you with your business, mostly because that's his narcissism. Don't they know you're supposed to? Yeah. I don't think he's actually a kind or generous person. There's no indication. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I just think that she, she has rose colored glasses. Okay, but then this is what you're saying. I wouldn't expect you to understand someone like that with your uh, four lines, theme park, multi-level, homogenized world, Mocochino land. Nice. So let's pick apart all four of those and talk about, like, you know, if you're accused of... Being those four things. Sounds wh- amazing. <laughs> Which parts are good and bad? I mean, theme park is fantastic. Big I fan mean, of theme parks. Yeah, theme parks. I mean, I, I you know, New York City uh, and other cities, you don't get a whole lot of theme parks within the city limits. You, I mean, if only Disney Quest had succeeded. That's kind of, yeah, what I was thinking. In yeah, every it's, city. It's, absolutely. Multi-level. Multi-level. I mean, that's, yeah, it's not really a criticism except that it's big, you know. Yeah, it's right now when you hear that you think multi-level marketing, like you know. Uh, sure, yeah, but that's not what she's saying. <laughs> she actually means literally your store has multiple floors, and, and, and that's boy bad. does it. Uh, which, yeah, so yeah. I, I, it's just a weird kind of okay. criticism. Multi-level, so yeah, multi-level. I'm no problem with that. In fact, multi-level sounds nice. 
I, I mean, it sounds like she's making excuses. Why to shop around the corner, not multi-level? Yeah, exactly. Okay, but then the next part, homogenize the world. That's yeah. that's fair. I mean, that's a I, that, that's a negative. You know, that's you know, you you want you want variety, and you know, you you don't want everyone to be buying the same books, and you know, and whatever. You know, you want yeah. Uh, yeah, and you don't want all here... bookstores to look the same yeah. and all that, right? I think the real question is, who is the decentralized uh, store model of independent shops any less homogenizing than the Barnes & Noble model? Well, I think the problem is... Because her it, store it, does, it, is very generic, to be honest. Well, I, yeah, it's got charm. I mean, I think the... There's a very generic sort of charm. Well, so I think the underlying thing is what kind of books are you selling? And if you're just selling, you know, I mean, the, the it's not the bookstore that's going to determine what books are popular. And so, you yeah, know. I think that's fair. Like he, you know, the Fox and Sons books is part of a very tightly coupled feedback loop in which demand is, is sated. Yeah. And you get more of the kind of bestsellers. Because actually, that's what you see repeatedly in this is you see racks of books where it's one book. Uh, yeah, you know, like eight eight hundred times. Which is to say, there's yeah, there's certainly there's demand for the best sellers. Otherwise, there would be best sellers. Whereas Sharp on the Corner probably does not have what you're looking for. Right, and it's more again, it's a different model, different different purpose. Right, you walk into Shop on the Corner with no specific intent, and you are going to be recommended interesting books you might like. Right, and in particular, children's books. That's what they specialize in. Yeah, it's it's a curated shop, although. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could say that with less cure. It's, you know, so I think that's fair that, you know, Fox Books is I mean, having... yeah, homogenize the world is, okay, instead of having specialist bookstores that can do things like recommend interesting children's books for children, you now have just large monuments to the bestsellers, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say this is, this is the problem with commerce. I would still say that I think that her model of a for-profit bookstore that has a curation element. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, if you really want the curation, there should be kind of just a, like, a completely decoupled from the economy curation node, and that's not what you get here. You know, sure. It's it just, it just a bad store in my mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, Mokuchino Land. Oh, that sounds amazing. I mean, theme park, multi-level Mokuchino. If you just took out Homogenize the World, yeah. theme park, multi-level Mokuchino Land... <laughs> Sounds incredible. It's yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I would love to go to a theme park multi-level Mochaccino land. It's uh yeah, it's 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 she she did at least have one hit in, I guess. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's Okay. All right, and then he's nothing but a suit. Yeah, he's nothing Which but Which is kind of true in that I mean, it's not he's he is just the suit, you know. It's you know we, we've already talked about Kevin's seems to be doing all the work. Um, what? Okay, there's a little bit more in that. You've deluded yourself into thinking you're some sort of benefactor bringing books to the masses, but no one will ever remember you, Joe Fox. Oh, the whole remember you thing. Yeah, saying like, oh, he is he's an anonymous cog of commerce, as opposed to you know. He says maybe this is what I think is one of the funniest funniest lines in here. Maybe don't remember me either. But plenty of people remember my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is to me, like, that is incredibly bleak. Yeah, that is one is. of the bleakest parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me, like, this is something I was, I was mentioning offline. I wanted to bring it up here. A little harder to bring it up because it's mentioning a movie you have not seen. I've seen most movies. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, the 2018, I want to say, movie Hereditary. Nope. Okay. Shockingly similar in tone. You know, the oh. way, uh, without giving like too much away, it is a movie about a dead mother. Uh, and the movie, like the kind of weight of the mother's influence in the family hangs over it the entire time. And there's like this ominous thing of they're still kind of in the grasp of this dead woman based on the actions she took to her life. And like Kathleen's whole life, she is like a slave to her dead mother. Sure, yeah. It's incredibly bleak. It's like she has no agency and all she has to do is like, I will maintain the memory of my mother. It's yeah. like, what a, what a bleak existence. Well, fortunately, Mr. Wright comes along and, you know, she's she had a chance to escape it. <laughs> By that token, uh, Joe Fox is also, uh, you know, pr- you know, basically advancing family goals. That is sure, yeah. But he seems to have more fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, he's he, he kind of says like, okay, I'm going to kind of use this position to kind of goof off, as opposed to like, you know, like her, her life is like wrecked with guilt of how can I uphold my mother's business? Yeah, that's insane. It is insane. Uh, and if nothing else, I mean, it kind of. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, KGSU Stanford, this is an earful of You've Got Mail. Unless you're listening on the podcast, and then it's not. I remind if nothing else, it's kind of like, it does resemble a bit of the fluidity of capitalism versus kind of the groundedness and, you know, kind of family lines of, of feudalism. Sure, yeah. You know, in her line, it's like, yes, I have a station in life. I was born into the Kelly... Uh, you know, bookstore life. Yeah. And I will continue to toil because that is my, that is my lot. <laughs> sure. And, and his is like saying like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, you know, do work. I'm going to, you know, do stuff. My job right now is to bring books to the masses. Maybe we'll do other stuff later, you know? Uh, and in, in her mind, the kind of placelessness of him just doing jobs is repugnant to her because she's like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I, my place is to uphold my family name. It's like, whoa, that's bleak. Very bleak. Very bleak. Uh, and he says, and you are just a suit. Too and true. He, like, he sits there for like five seconds. Yeah, he does. He yeah, Well, that's the thing I was saying about introspection. I mean, I think, you know, again, he's having a moment of, oh, is this how the world really sees me? Yeah, I there is... You see this burn. It really works. As I think you see... Uh, unlike his kind of quick quitch energy of just like I'm gonna zing back at you, uh, he is—he just takes it. And you actually see some pain in him. You cut back to Kathleen, uh, and Kathleen, her eyes are watering, and she looks actually extremely hurt herself. Yeah, I mean, no one's walking away from this, you know, happy. <laughs> yeah, I—I I, I wrote she's t- uh, taking on uh, psychic damage from the power of Zing. Ah, oh, the power of zing. I, it's it's a thing. Like you know, when you zing people, you come away with psychic damage. Let's be clear here. Sure. Yeah. So that's the end of that scene. Uh, okay. Else? And then no, no, that's it. And then we get uh, we get the walk home. Correct. And is that are we? Did we count that as? Um, because scene two is scene two is them talking to each other, right? So do we even have walk home as a scene? Repeat the question. The walk home. Do we have that as a separate scene, or was that is? Do we not count that? Uh, I I would say the whole dream scene. So the real question is: Is it a different subsin? Sure. Yeah. I, I would say that's a sub subsin. 
Okay. All right. I'm gonna, I guess what I'm saying is I want to talk about the walk home. Go ahead for it. Okay. We see uh, two stores and one poster. Can you name them? I tried to. Okay. So the stores, uh, there is uh, some, s- Alex. Not Alex. Alex no. Gordon Jewelers. Alex Gordon Jewelers. I looked that up to try to see if I could find out where that was. There is currently one uh, in the east, uh, Upper East Side, and there used to be one, I think, in 230 Columbus, Upper West Side. But looking at the street address, I'm not sure it actually matches. Huh. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, Alex Horn Jewelers. And there's also Gary Knoll. Yeah, Gar- Gary Knoll. Gary Knolls. Gary Knolls. And I was unable to find that either. So I wanted to find out where she's walking, and I could not uh, could not resolve this. Could not triangulate. Well, then there's one additional. So then we get one poster. Do you see the poster? Yeah, on, on a, on a uh, like a, a bus stand or something. West Station. Uh, I would say uh, my first thought when I saw it is, is this Lord of the Dance? Uh, uh, and yeah, I don't I mean, think it is. Well, so it's a Met Opera poster. And then at the bottom it says playing at the Met Opera, and it has three. Like says like spectacular, uh, exhilarating, magnificent, spectacular are the three quotes. Yes. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, exhilarating certainly is a word that people use to describe opera quite a bit. Um, it's, so it's, it's weird because like the image has three letters and it has one guy who is uh, shirtless, yep. wearing kind of like uh, dancer's pants, kind of you know. Not, I mean, snug, it is, snug black it, pants. I think that could be. I mean, I, I, I would believe that could actually be a, a real Met Opera. You know, it doesn't look like opera. It looks a lot like 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 it looks like a like a white guy in like doing Shen Yu. <laughs> Uh, yeah, kind of, but there are operas. It has, it has the same like it has the same colors of like the kind of like pastel-y blue and and purple. Yeah, yeah. I think it could be an. I think it's an. I think the. I think it Occam, look, to me. Uh, look, Occam's, let's, let's Occam's razor. I think it's a real poster. People remember my mother, and they think she was fine, and they think her store was something special. You are nothing but a suit. He blinks. He blinks again. Yeah, he does. She looks down. She looks up. No one's happy. Eyebrow raise. He looks down. He reaches in the pocket. Her eyes are watering. Academy Awards. uh, That's my cue. Academy Awards for best screenplay. Uh, Good night. Have a good night. He's hurt. Interior. Nighttime. Interior of his soul. Nighttime. Justin Trudeau. (laughs) And her eyes, like she, her eyes are red now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. She's just walking down the street. You see Alex Gordon Jewelers. Gary Knoll. Gary Knoll. I mean, Gary Knoll looks like some sort of fashion outlet. And then that, uh, I throws agree. Away it, looks, the road. it looks a little more acrobatic than a typical opera performance. Yeah, it's more about dancing. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, I think there, I think it could be. Okay. Uh, she now goes home. We get some Roy Orbison, uh, very good. Not very good. Um, and then uh, she logs onto her computer, and there is so much to talk about here. Yes. Okay. So, so much to talk. Question about. to you first. Yeah. There are seven. St- and her. Uh, by the way, good good reaction here. She just like looks up and down. Yeah. Can we make the Roy Orbison like about uh, let's say twenty percent as loud as it is right now? Okay. Twenty percent louder. Twenty. No. Okay. Well, describe to the fans why do you have a prejudice? Uh, let's say a bigotry against the musical Orbison. I think I don't like him for the same reason I don't like Jimmy Stewart, uh, which is everything they do is warbly. 
Uh, life is warped. Uh-huh. Uh, there are seven steps uh, that AOL brings you through as you connect. Can you name those seven steps? Uh, absolutely. I wrote them down. <laughs> Good. I was going to quiz you about them, but you appear to already know them. <laughs> okay. Um, step one is initializing modem. Correct. Step two is dial. And by the way, I'm pretty sure these are real. Like, I mean, they're, it, it doesn't look fake. And they're weird enough steps that it'd be weird to fake these. Okay, here's a question, too. I, yeah. At this scene and later scenes, we have seen scenes earlier where you see a screen and you zoom in closer and you see the pixel-level detail. Yeah. And as you see some scenes zoomed in, you see it has perfect resolution. Mm. And I think this means that this was actually recreated uh, as an image which was filled in. Oh. It's really a piece of animation and not actually capturing a screen. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, be- I, I believe, and I was seeing that with some emails earlier, yeah. uh, that yeah, there's you cannot see a single pixel. So I believe yeah. these were probably created to mock it up. But I believe they probably they probably mocked it. They probably used the real. Yeah, I mean the I mean the result the screen that she lands on the homepage definitely has you know fake stuff on it. But well, it's not only fake stuff, but I believe the entire screen itself has a resolution which is impossible to be a capture of a screen. Sure. Yeah. At the time, yeah. uh, the number they dial. Do you have this written? Yo, I've got the whole thing. So step one, initializing modem. Step two, dialing star seven zero comma eight, which comma mean pause. Eight zero four three eight eight zero hyphen three eight eight zero hyphen three eight eight zero. It is a little weird there'd be a hyphen in there. Um, what is asterisk star seven? Uh, asterisk seven zero. Um. Oh, is that a is that a collect call? I don't know. Like I thought you would know. Well, no, no. So I mean, it would make sense. You do like so an internet call. It would make sense. It would be collect because you are or, or some special billing code, right? Because you're you're you are already paying for the internet time so i I, well let's see let's see star so it's kind of like if you have to dial one for long distance instant when you're you're connecting to external Um, usb you dial asterisk here we go here we go a vertical service code is a sequence of digits and a single star um this is good info. Stars, this is an amazing table. Well, where, okay. where, are you, where are you looking at? Um, uh, there's a Wikipedia article about vertical service codes. I'll link, it in, I'll link it in the in the wire club chat. Yeah. Uh, oh, whoops. Uh, I'll, let me do it right. Nope. Uh, there, nope. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I do remember like star six, seven. Yeah, that was... We well, can yeah. run through. There's a lot here. I'll start with the one we care about, which is star seven zero is call waiting disable, which that makes sense. Hmm. Right, because um, you want to make sure that you are not going to uh, be have your you know your your internet connection line interrupted by the call waiting notification, which would mess up with internet bits. Right? Um, you know how call waiting works? Yeah, I do not know. Well, so so call waiting, you'd be on one call, right? Sure. And you'd hear like a beep, 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 or whatever. You'd hear yeah, some yeah. sort of tone, which is like, you have another call coming sure. in. and then you like click it yeah. once, and then you switch over to it. You very much would not want that to happen on an internet line because it would actually mess with bits, right? Like you're communicating internet Unless bits. Unless they and... cleverly added the protocol, but if they do but that they don't crudely, because this is 1998. Yeah. Sure. So, um, and really, I mean, all of dial-up is, you know, it's, gotcha. it's pretty dumb. So, um. Anyway, so that makes sense that you disable call waiting. It also makes sense. I mean, AOL would just do that as a blanket thing to just make sure, yeah, we don't want people's call waiting features, you know, like interfering with our with our dial up here. 
Um, How many so, of these have you done? The, uh... Uh, I've never really done Star Code. I think I messed with Star 69 one time because that's the, you know, the, the popular one, you know, Last Call Return. Uh, Star 6-7 was actually a good one. Star 6-7, calling number delivery blocking. So if you do that, if you do star 6-7 and then the number, if I remember right, then it basically will show as uh, on their ID. So you can just like in the cell phone era, the ID will say like, you know, uh, like, un- well, what's the name if you don't say the name Oh, of just it? like unknown caller? Unknown caller, yeah. 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 Which mm-hmm. if you're if you're like in a room with someone and calling someone to prank them, that's, I think, necessary. Well, what about just star 85 and you call her ID disable? I think star six seven is how you do it though. Mm, okay. I don't know what star. Right. Yeah. Uh, c- yeah. Call- so we got start. We got call trace. Call blocking. Priority call. That's a good one to have. Star six one. So, you want to so make what, sure your call gets through. So what it appears here is that she is actually calling a local NYC number that is eight zero four three because there's no area code. Which is responding. They might have photoshopped that out. Um, hmm. Just so it's not a real number. Yeah. Uh, that's possible, or it is possible that it is a local. I mean, you know, a local. You would you would ideally want your ISP to be. Well, I guess if your ISP is AOL, then you're. Well, ideally AOL has an endpoint in your area codes that you don't have to make a long distance call to contact AT and T for your internet service, right? Ideally. So I don't know exactly how AT and T. Sorry, AT and T. How AOL. Uh, would have worked that out, but it seems like they would have had to, or people would have been charged long distance rates to connect to the internet. I think they'd have local. I mean, that's you know they they put a lot on their network. They'd hope to have local numbers. Yeah, exactly. So let's continue. And that was they dialed that was step two. Uh, they did. Oh, speed calling eight numbers. Speed calling thirty numbers. Oh hell yeah. Do not disturb. Do not disturb. Disable. Wow, these are amazing. Ah, should have should have used all these back in the day. All right. Um, so let's see. So the other thing uh, we skipped ahead of it here, but we we see what her laptop is for the oh, first time, as far as I'm aware. Yes, uh, she has a PowerBook G3. Oh, nice. Which I used to have. Oh, hell yeah. That that was like I spent a decent amount of my early uh, you know computer use on a PowerBook G3. So nice. Uh, did you also catch uh, what version of AOL she's using? Uh, she, yeah, version 4.0. She is. This was released in July 30th, 1998. It's been beta. Been beta a few months before that, although the release at the end of July uh, was not for Mac. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, you know, 4.0 software includes a redesigned interface with such features as more graphic-based icons along the toolbar and a nice. sidebar and channel pages which link to other channels for sa- uh, faster surfing. AOL 4.0 also comes with additional bells and whistles, such as spelling and grammar checks, Huge. client, an address book, which can be alphabetized. <laughs> and took them <laughs> until 4.0 to get that going. All right. <laughs> You'd think that would actually come a bit earlier. Yeah. And the ability to switch screen names without signing off. Ooh. That's, that's, actually, that's still... That's actually, like a very advanced feature. Yeah, you actually... That's hard to find these days. There are basically no services that let you switch screen names without signing off. Yeah. Yeah, except for Twitter, honestly. Uh, sure. Yeah, um, uh, by the way, let's, let's listen. This is uh, this is a little commercial I call America Online 4.0. Hello, America Online. 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 Hello, America Online.
America Online introduces new version 4.0. There has never been a better time to get online. The easiest just got easier. It's the messages. I can customize my email. My niece sent me a picture. If you have a phone line, you can be online. It's the easiest way to keep up with old friends. Everyone I know is on it. We've spent over $1 billion to create a high-speed network. And with 56K, connections are faster than ever. It's the ultimate local guide. New 4.0, check it out. It's my connection to the world. America Online, so easy to use, no wonder it's number one. Sign up today. So and of course, go. she does not connect at 56K. No, no step three. She connects step at? Step three. She connects at 31200. 31. Yep. 31200. Bips. That commercial, a uh, huge focus for AOL 4.0 was its channel uh, window, which is a oh. window of a grid of like uh, 16 buttons. And they're all like wide rectangles with different uh, places you can go to. Yeah, the channels. It's kind of an ugly page, much uglier than what we see. Sure. Uh, Step four, requesting network attention. Always good. Step five, talking to network. Yeah. Step six, connecting to America Online. Sure. Step seven, checking password. Could have done that earlier. No, you can't because it's checking it with the server. So it's so so up until well so through you know there is no the all of the steps from from one which is initializing modem to. Uh, six, which is connecting to America Online, all of those steps are just calling a phone number, right? I mean, there's not like, or you know, calling a phone number and, and getting a getting a tone. Uh, you know, uh, there's not until step six, connecting to America Online, the the system has not had a chance to actually validate her password, right? So, so. you're saying that like requesting network attention is something every phone call gets? Requesting network? No, no, no. I think that's is the, the uh, this phone call or I mean whatever is on the other end that needs to realize that it is a it is a modem and not a phone call is the thing that it needs to connect to and at that but at that point you're just establishing like you know the ability to send you know packets right you're not actually sending any data you're just you're just establishing like you know two nodes in a in a you know in a, in a network that can send you know uh, like TCP IP packets right just like romance yes exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're not you haven't you certainly don't have a chance to send a password at that point, you know. Correct. Uh, anyway, and then step eight, which is not labeled as step eight, but I wrote it down, uh, is uh, welcome. I would say that's not a step. Okay. So yeah, huge. Uh, and then you can see a really cool landing page. Super cool. Uh, Fox Books featured heavily. Yeah, so I mean, I think that they bought out the local AOL uh, landing page. I would say for for a you know you don't get that shot and like a zoom in on it, so it isn't like supposed to land as a like like oh she's uh, you know what what a blow to see Fox Books. No, it's Instead, just a little bit of subtle world building. You yeah, know, it's in the background. Yeah, uh, AOL it announces her weather stormy, which is not accurate. Doesn't I mean the next morning she's coming with an umbrella, but. As of that walk, it was certainly not stormy. We've seen no evidence of storms, yeah. So it seems like the weather is a bit primitive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the top news story. What a what a news story. President, pre, The president doesn't say, but it's Clinton. It's a picture of Clinton there. Picture of Clinton. President, picture of Clinton uh, to sign transportation bill. Huge piece of news. Do we? Do, is that an actual bill? Was there a transportation bill? I mean, so I looking up, there is a yearly appropriations bill which is signed. Uh, <laughs> top story. <laughs> top story. So looking at different years, uh, there was, I believe, it was signed in 1998 on June 9th. Perfect. It was signed in 1999 on October 9th, and signed October 23rd, 
uh, 2000s. So it's conceivable they actually took a real headline from whatever they were making this, such as June 9th, 1998. Um, it's a little weird that would be the top news story because it seems like a routine thing. It's a lot. But... I mean, it's like uh, it was $50 billion in 99, $58 billion in 2000. And every time they come with extra like whistles, like, oh, there's extra way station funding. Oh, yeah. Cool. And, you know, always mention uh, our, our, our federal appropriations uh, for transportation funding has, since the late 60s, had an 80-20 split, 80% for highways and other roadways, 20% for transit and everything else. And that has been uh, extremely solid. So. Oh, yeah. It's, so, what, a, what a model. And, uh, you know, it's not the last time we'll, we'll see uh, transportation end up in these five minutes. Sure. Um, um, but, uh, you know, not a huge, I mean, I guess it's the thing that you see and it's innocuous news. Yeah. News. Yeah. It's not meant to catch the eye, which I think is good. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not distracting. It's not meant to be distracting. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's make a Twitter bot that, you know, we'll post every time the president, president signs transportation bill. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. And then we have, uh, you know, a very relevant, uh, final, piece of the homepage. Ask Julie B. Ask Julie B. Uh, this um, does not apparently seem to be real. I Yeah, I didn't think so. It was a little too relevant to what's happening in her life to be something that they <laughs> Which just again, pulled. Which, no yeah. attention shown to it. It's nice that this is a quarter of a second background gag. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, if you're the, you know, the prop creator for that, you probably... You know, you probably think, well, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe they will show an extreme close-up. You know, this better look good. This better have, you know, r- relevant stuff. Um, yeah, maybe the camera will get stuck and they'll hang on it for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this will be all the footage they'll have, you know, after the rest gets destroyed. Or maybe she'll improv and, like, put her face in screen <laughs> and then turn around and look at the camera. <laughs> and you say, know? Julie B? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, ask Julie B, having communication problems with that special someone? Check in with our new advice columnist and get your point across. I like how it's the new advice columnist. Like, We're under new management here. Our last one, creating some little bit issues. <laughs> like Julie B is <laughs> new on the scene, ready to give advice. Um, yeah, but yeah, good. some good, just good UI shots across the board there. Wonderful, yeah, but uh, you know, it's it does the uh you know come on her her screen has screensavers of New York City skyscrapers. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. She dismisses a a uh, skyscraper skyscraper um, skyscraper um screensaver. Yeah, a, sky, a sky, skyscraper screensaver. Boy, this is such a better way to experience email, which is you have to take some effort, and then you see no email. Yeah, that's fun. It is much better than push notifications. Oh yeah, uh, it it does not say like when you see a mail, it says you got mail, and when you don't, it doesn't say it just says nothing. Well, it says it's uh, it does have a message. I no, but it, it doesn't. Says, it but... has no vocal message. Oh sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, you don't want to reward people for not having mail. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then she goes to her bed and lays down on it and turns the lights off. Yep. Now let's uh, flip over to uh, to Joe's house. Yeah. Joe is at home. With uh, his shrew of a girlfriend. Oh, what a bummer. What a what a awful... He gets zinged, and then he goes home to his girlfriend, who he hates. Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible... Ugh. Just just the worst life. Yeah, so he takes off his tie and has to listen to his girlfriend talk about her life. 
she's complaining about someone who asked for a lot of money for a book deal when in fact her last 600k 600k and this is this is a new one for me if you think I'm even going to talk to you about paying that kind of advance for an author whose last book is being used as trivets all over the whole world, <laughs> you are completely crazy. Doesn't that mean it sold pretty well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This book was, it's, it's, it's your dream trivet. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not that familiar with trivets. I looked this up. Oh, trivets are, you put uh, you put hot food on them. It's like a hot food coaster. Yeah. Okay, I I had to look it up. Uh, actually, trivet, I now know. Uh, trivet is kind of derivative of triped. So hmm. it's kind of like has three feet in some of the original trivets. But you can have just kind of a cork thing can be a trivet. So, you, yeah, you've learned um, what was the uh, uh, crostini. You you learned crostini earlier in the show. This is an educational movie. And, and then trivet. you've and now you've learned. Um, uh, well, what words trivet. have you learned? Uh, none. Oh, good. Congrats. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it also let's talk about the escalation of the you know alienated affection in both people's relationships, Kathleen and Frank, and then you have Joe and and Pat, uh, Patricia. Uh, like, what is actually driving them like away from their partner? Um, it's a good question. You would think, if anything, these negative interactions with other people, uh, you know, would would drive them sort of more toward the people that they know are already, you know, like whatever. You know, yeah, like scene, at least. scene one, we see that Joe is kind of annoyed spending a morning with Patricia. Yeah. And she, she's generally irritable, but he really, I think, it turned a corner in which she at once was embarrassingly, uh, I think, she made a bad point with the Rosenberg in his mind and then, you know, complimented Frank. And, you know, I think, like, it kind of, you see, the, like, that night, he was like, okay, I had to get out of this bed. This bed is death to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, Kathleen and Frank, the real turning point is when she said, hey, Frank, fight for me. Save my bookstore. And he did, and it didn't work. And I think she stopped loving him that day. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's 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 my reading. That was, I thought it was when he bought a second typewriter. <laughs> that was, maybe that was the, I mean, that really was the moment. Yeah. Um, um, they, just, they do not like their partners at all. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, okay, and that's 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 basically all we have for those scenes. Uh, yeah, and then we have um, the then we have the return. Uh, we've cameo. What is it? Cameo number five at this point um, of um, Kevin Jackson of Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Kevin hey. Jackson at the bookstore. Uh, and we I, get some business details. We this get scene, we this get a scene, little bit of insight into how the business is run. This scene not in the script at all. Um, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. You so, sure it's not just somewhere else in the script? Uh, and actually, I looked up. I looked up uh, pretty much all the lines. Not the just like it was like all right. Uh, you know, Tom, Dave, uh, just walk around the store and improv for a bit. <laughs> Apparently, well, I'll say it's, it's a, I really enjoy this scene. Oh, it's fantastic. I'd say it's incredibly functional, and I think it really, really uh, kind of elevates it. We'll look we'll into this in a, in a and, second. And, I mean, it, it's just, it's lovely to be ensconced in the ambiance of Fox Books as well. It's a well machine, I'd say. <sighs> yes, it is. I'm just going to listen to Roy for, for a moment. Uh, sure. Okay, so they're on, on the line. What's it? Do you not like the channel landing page? It's very ugly. Channel landing page. This is like a huge screen of different colored buttons for like, one is like, talk to a teacher. 
We don't see that, but that's a big oh, part oh. of Will Ford on the ad. Is this the Dark Knight of the Soul for them? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, Hour of the Wolf. Is this their? Is this like their low point? Yeah. Yeah, she's in bed, fully clothed. Never a good sign. Yeah. I'm not sure we've heard this. Is this the first time we see his computer in a different place? Insulting and provocative, and the only thing pleasant in bed about her was the way yeah. that her hair fell across her forehead. Look at this. Yeah, but I don't need that disagreeable exterior. That way, you know, she may turn out to be a, a real girl. bitch. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. I'm going to go back to the office, and I'm sure you have some work you have to do. Not really. This place is a well-oiled machine, my friend. <laughs> really good. Oh, it's so good. Kevin so, Jackson, man. So he, so so Joe Fox comes back and says, you know, uh, I gave her a chance. You know, saw this went because Kevin knows pretty much the second most of any character in this movie at this point. Sure. And he says like she was not a charming person to talk to. She was insulting and provocative. Which I'd say insulting. Yeah, that's clearly negative. Provocative is I'd say usually use a positive word. Um. I mean, in t- weird, as, not as me. a ver. In t- you know, she provoked me would not be a positive. It's thing. funny like, if you say she's provoking. That's negative. Provocative yeah. is positive. At least mm. to me, that's the case. Could be. Yeah. Uh, and the only pleasant thing about her was the way that her hair fell down across her forehead. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Kevin says, uh, you know, well, well, maybe you know, look past her uh, hard exterior and find out that inside she's actually. And then Joe interrupts and says. A real bitch. <laughs> oh, Joe. Kind of, you know, kind of a little problematic here, Joe. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. he's progressed from pill, so at least he's saying what he means. Uh, <laughs> we were joking about that earlier, saying, like, oh, real bitch, when he said pill, and, like, actually he goes out and actually says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets there. He gets there. Yeah. Uh, you kind of know. an Andrew Dice Clay moment. A what moment? An Andrew Dice Clay moment. Andrew Dice Clay. I don't know who that is. No, well, I mean, something to learn. Okay. Um, an American comedian. He was he was like a like a, like a, a kind of a misogynist uh, oh. comedian in the late eighties. In nineteen ninety, he became the first stand up comedian to sell out Madison Square Garden for two consecutive nights. He's huge. Yeah. <laughs> no one, everyone remembers that. I, he's pretty famous. I don't know who this is. Well, I mean, uh, you know, generation yeah. gaps. Yeah, generation gaps. All right. Um, and Kevin has no work to do. Kevin has no work to do because he's already done the work to set up the, the structure whereby the store runs itself. Worth mentioning, like, at the shop around the corner, you have, like, four employees that are all, like, necessary. Uh, I mean, like, ostensibly necessary. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, Fox Books has dozens and dozens and dozens of employees, all of which are anonymous. Are not well are anonymous, but are very busy. I mean, it's, yeah, no like, no it, one is idle. Everyone is idle in Shop Around the Corner. No one is idle in uh, Fox Books. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Uh, Joe says he's going to go back to the office. Sure, is this, is the this, corporate office. Is this like the the main office? Is it Nelson's office, or is, does he have an? He has his own office there. 
Yeah, I assume know, so. Because that's, that's the one yeah, like that's he, in, in Fox Tower. Yeah, I yeah. wonder how many how many total uh, you know offices do you think they have there? Um, I'd say they probably got space for you know maybe even a couple hundred employees. I mean, it, you know, they're. I don't know if if corporate really needs that many employees. I they, I mean they they've, they're placing ads on on AOL homepages. Um, they're I mean you know they're doing they definitely have operations and activities such as marketing. Um, you know real uh, uh you know real estate uh management you know whatever like stuff like that that's happening that would not be run by any particular store or run out of any particular store yeah i don't know like i guess i i it's it's a good question i mean like i'm sure barnes and noble corporate is like thousands of people i guess i'm just thinking like you know manhattan real estate maybe you have a very like small core i don't, I don't know. know i think they i mean yeah, I guess you know, just boy, that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of expensive office space. Well, the stores are even more expensive. I guess so. Uh, it does remind me though of like kind of the general like this is. I'd like to develop more in this like later. Uh, but I was reading, uh, you know, through Fernand Braudel, also talking about like uh, uh what's it, what's his name, uh, Wallerstein, and the world systems theory. Sure. You know, so like uh, Manuel Wallerstein in the like you know through the '70s, writing some like kind of provocative books uh, about looking at the development of the world and saying more useful than looking like first world and third world in terms of like you know countries is to look at kind of more like a you know, gradation of spaces mm-hmm. in which you have like you know in, throughout history you have cores and cores are basically city based. Mm-hmm. And then across it, you have periphery, and there's different levels of periphery. You know, on the actual frontier, you have, like, pure uh, frontier colonized places, you know, usually used for, like, brute uh, resource extraction. But then also you have kind of, like, you know, intermediate periphery. And I would say as far as, like, this movie, it really presents the fact that the Upper West Side is is the semi-periphery. And it is being kind of gentrified and colonized by uh, Midtown. That seems to be the message it's sending. That sure. from corporate offices, which appear to be a Midtown, mm-hmm. uh, that they are kind of orchestrating a takeover. A takeover of the Upper West Side. Yeah. Which is, I'd say, get over yourselves. I don't think Upper West Side is that peripheral. <laughs> no, it's still well within the city core. Yeah, I mean, I would say like I you can you can kind of like complain about that, and that really has been a lot of 20th century critical theory is people who live in this semi like you know core periphery, like basically as close to the core as you can be, and like oh we're more peripheral, please don't please don't gentrify us. Uh, so I think that's a that's I think that is kind of a, a big uh, the, you know the geographic. You know, kind of conflict of the movie is, of course, I think the cent- you know, one of the central themes. So, just something to keep in mind. Oh yeah, I'll keep that in mind. And I would like to reflect that more in the future. I'm learning a lot more about kind of, uh, you know, uh, 16th to 18th century rise and fall of the uh, you know Dutch Empire. Oh yeah, yeah so, they yeah that was a big one. Yeah, and I mean, of course, that is who the Fox family is meant to represent. You know, in the world of New Amsterdam, they are... They are know, the Dutch. Yeah, Schuyler is, is classically the Dutch. The Dutch East India Company. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is a movie about That's colonization. West so. India Company. Absolutely. So, well, let's go, but I'll put a pin in that for now. Okay, well, yeah, we'll put a... Yeah, just pop push pin in 
Pop a push pin. Any more final things on, on that scene? That's it for that scene, yeah. We can okay. move on to the final scene. Final scene for today. Um, not, not we for... don't know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the movie could just be a black screen. <laughs> I, I believe I remember more stuff happening. Uh, but it's the next day. Christina, as always, sitting outside. Uh, this is this is actually, I don't know if this is intentionally taken from the shop around the corner. Oh, that the employees are waiting for the manager to come and open up the shop? Yeah, which is, I gotta say, d- is so dismal. <laughs> Holy like it's like I do not trust you to open the shop. Please wait in the cold for me to show up. But you must be here before I get here. <laughs> what? A well, there's no there's we what well, we don't there's no uh, similarly stated thing here about them needing to be there and you know before she is like I mean that's a key plot point in Shop on the Corner. Yeah, that's not we don't see any you know there, there's no specific sort of well, you know, notion of that here it's but. the evolution of, of workplaces in the 20th century where the explicit becomes implicit what used to be kind of a demand from the boss becomes like well you can show up late but uh you know you might regret it as far as you know how we treat you in the office in the future uh-huh i don't think uh christina pletzker is in any danger of losing her job unless the shop goes out of business because kathleen kelly seems completely unable to cut expenses yeah do you think it's a good thing that, uh, you know, the job security in the shop on the corner is imperiled largely by the cuckolding of the boss? Uh, if, in fact, in this, like, Christina cheated on, uh, you know, cheated with Frank, uh-huh. would, would that be a bad plot element? Um, why? Or what? Just, just the fact that it, like, drives, like, kind of jealousy in the workplace. Oh, wait, cheated on... Because in the shop on the corner... Uh, one of the employees cheats on the Yeah, yeah, bosses. yeah. You're saying if someone... Oh, sorry, if Christina... Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. if, if, if Christina, Christina Pletzker. Christina Pletzker. Yes, sorry. I, I thought you were saying Kathleen. Yeah. Um, if Christina... I was like, Kathleen cheating with Frank. Um, uh, Christina cheated with Star- Frank. Yeah. Well, no, because in this case, Kathleen doesn't care about Frank, whereas in <laughs> Shop Around the Corner, sure. uh, the, the shop manager does care about his wife. I guess, yeah. So do you think that, my question to you is, would that endanger Christina's job? No. Okay. That's, I think that might be right. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. <laughs> okay. Just just checking. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's listen in. I imagine let's that, would, that would go in. for Birdie and George as well. Same thing with Birdie and George. Yeah, they could have a fair with each other. Um, okay, ready? Go. Oh, no, this is the scene again. But that's fine. about her was the way that her hair uh, well. fell across her forehead. Yeah, Guy drinking his coffee in the front. People having fun. I like that he he signals to the barista that he's about to hand them a his empty coffee cup before he does so. He's like, "Yep, it's right here." And then he says, "It's a modern ballet." Okay. So what happened? He never came. He stood you off. I wouldn't exactly characterize it in that way. I think something happened, something terrible and unexpected that made it impossible for him to. What if he showed up, he took one look at me and left? Not possible. Maybe there was a subway accident. Absolutely. A train got trapped underground with him inside. And no phone. And you know how those express trains create suction? He got sucked onto the tracks. The third rail. He's toast. What happened? (laughs) Such a good point to end it. Oh, wonderful. Oh, perfect. I you mean, this movie, as with all movies, 
first damage. Uh, that we analyze is designed to be cut into chunks. Some better than others, but yes. Yeah, um, but this one particularly good. So yeah, so there's a funny moment, you know, here where you know where George is is entering, um, you know, mid conversation, um, and that's quite funny. We talk about that a little bit, um, and then the rest of this is, you know, yeah, Kathleen trying to make up reasons why the you know uh, NY152 would not have uh, made it in person. He's a very kind man, so he would, of course. Of course, he would have made it if he could. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, obvious first line is, you know, he probably got killed by the subway. <laughs> Every New Yorker's greatest fear. Yeah. Um, and and the most common cause of death in New York City. That's true. Yeah. Uh, people, um, uh, you know, she mentions uh, that uh, the suction that happens during the express train mm-hmm. may have actually sucked him into the tracks. Quite possible. Uh, which doesn't seem... Maybe that dangerous because, like, it sucks you in at the end of the train? Uh, well, no. The idea is it sucks you in while the train is going by. No, that's oh. not That's not the theory. Oh. Uh, there's actually a 1905 New York Times article, Swept from Treat by Train. Swept from Treat. Swept from Feet by Train. Suction of Express dangers a little girl's oh. life. Right. No, but that's the thing is it, it he gets sucked in and then he falls onto the third rail, which then electrocutes oh, him. Oh, yes. That, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, good, good point. Um, good point. Yeah. So I, I do think that trying, yeah, trying to think like just like how easy it is to reach the third rail from where you are there. I guess it's on the other side. I don't really know exactly. Well, it's in the middle. Uh, is it? Yeah. Third rail's in the middle of the tracks. Is it in New York? Okay. Well, I don't know about New York specifically, but in general, in track design, the third rail is in the middle of the track. Okay. Well, if you say so. Uh, TV, well, you also, you'd have to hit two things because you actually have to get, how does that work? So you actually create a... Well, no, this, the third rail is electrified. The, yeah. the the left and right rails are not. So you'd actually have to land the, on one of the rails to ground yourself and then hit with a third rail. No, because to... you, you, you'll, it's, you know, you'll, the ground will ground you, you know, and that's, that's the problem actually is you will create a circuit between the third rail and the earth. So I guess like the gravel is not insulating. Um, I would have uh, thought, thought gravel would be, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, so, um, okay. So that, that, that makes a little sense. So it is not being hit by the train as much as being sucked onto the tracks. Sucks out of the tracks and electrocuted. Yeah. That's yeah, the theory. So, uh, I did find, uh, at the trains, Bolton board. This is on Trains Magazine Ooh. forums, general discussion, TV alert, Mythbusters, and train suction. Cool. Uh, so apparently in 2006, Mythbusters was uh, asking the question, can you get sucked into a train if you stand close enough? Uh, they might be using a California transit train. wonder what that is. Oh, boy. Or Amtrak. Uh, and people are just kind of commenting on it uh, and saying that, okay, you know, the pressure wave of air being pushed out at the front is much stronger or more likely to push you out than the suction push you know, pulling you in at the end. Um, yo, know, that makes sense because the train's going much faster. Oh no, it's not because if it's an express train, it is roaring through the station. So it's actually going equally fast in both places, in both ways. Yeah, but, but I think they're saying like kind of like the if you just imagine the air. Yeah, I mean foil. that thing is pushing a ton of air through that tunnel that it's built up. You know, through, I mean it's built up a ton of pressure in this small tunnel. And so that's creating a very focused burst of air versus the vacuum effect. It's, it's you know, taking, 
I, you know, it's, it's, it's creating a vacuum within a space that's quite large. So the vacuum probably isn't actually that dramatic. Yeah. I, people say actually anecdote, anecdotal evidence. People say like, I've seen people have an umbrella on the track. Oh yeah. And when it gets pushed out, they get f- thrown away from the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people say like, you know, I stood, I always used to stand as close to the yellow. I've never had any suction in <laughs> So, uh, I'm not sure the Mythbusters say, but the train experts here, who I trust the most, yeah. uh, seem to say, like, no, no trains create suction. This is a, this is a myth. Oh, it creates some suction. It's just whether not, it's not enough, enough to, to matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly creating a bit of a vacuum, but, yeah, versus the size of the space and, you know, whatever. I could, I could imagine it's, yeah, so... Okay, um, and then, let's see. Uh, then, yeah, then we have a little comedy bit. Yeah, a question for you. Uh, is 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 George, is he the, the I, I'd say, the best human being in the movie, and is he the only good human being in the movie? <laughs> um, well, there's Kevin Jackson. Uh, I, Kevin, you know, he's businesslike, you know. He's not a bad guy. He's kind of, you know, he's just, he's, he's a cog. Hmm. Um... So, uh, I'd say in the absence of anything else, let's just say yes. Sure. Okay, let's say yes. Cool. Great. Um, okay. So, yeah, so George comes in. He's like, he only hears the last part of the story and takes it as fact, <laughs> which is very funny. Yeah, yeah. Good good re- response. Like, well, wait, who died? <laughs> very good. Uh, and I think that that does my analysis anymore. Uh, nope. That's all I've I've got as well. So okay, so we've got yeah. 17 minutes. To that do checks out. Yeah. Bada bing. Bada bing. Uh, okay. So... Um, we need to work through some business now. Sure. I, I'm, I'm still, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what are the options for our drink the up. Well, we've got the tea. We got the tea at the beginning. The we have Christina Plutzker has some uh, Starbucks coffee at the end. Oh, that's right. She that's, does come to work with some coffee. Although that's, you know, been done many times. Well, ma- we, maybe there's something, maybe, and we don't even know what's in that cup. That's exactly. It's, it's it could very be, generic. That, yeah, that could be tea. Could be bugs. Could be it uh, could be a little bug some bug nog yeah um we don't know you know we have no way to know yeah. unless is it in the screenplay what she's holding <laughs> great question <laughs> now you're talking my language uh opening it up and I'm currently in the lines now going into the I'm going to look up third rail and let me just cue us uh, this is drink of the app. Good music for figuring it out as we go. Um, drink the app is where we find the drink that kind of captures the episode. Well, really, we find the only drink. Typically, there's only about one drink visible. Oh and, wow! Um, oh what? wow! Does it does it explain what she's holding? Uh, no, no. Actually, I think I just uh, I think I screwed up. Okay. Uh, I said the Fox Books scene is not in it, but uh, it actually is. It's just much shorter. Well, that's a goof. It is a goof. A uh, goof. Uh, it uh, starts screw. with Kevin saying, "Underneath a disagreeable exterior, she turned out to be," and he says, "A real bitch." That's what I'm talking about. Well, so. well, we'll cover that in the um, in the in the in the screws. Um. No, no. If we if we catch a goof as we go, we don't have to. Okay. Right, then it's just, uh, it just it stops at goof. It doesn't become a screw. Sure. Uh, Christina is waiting. That's all it says. Doesn't mention any drinks. 
Okay. Well, that's unfortunate. It's incredibly unfortunate. It, very, very, very unfortunate. Uh, so based upon that, uh, I think we gotta say it's the T. I think it is the tea. It is. Do we want to specify? Is it you know Kathleen's tea? I would say. We, I, I or, would or say cafe. This. What's the name of the cafe again? Cafe Lalo. Cafe I would Lalo say, tea. I would say tea refill. Cafe Lalo tea refill. Uh, how would you say tea refill? Just tea refill. Tea refill. Tea refill. Does she have anything on her bedside? Uh, no, nothing. She doesn't even have a glass of water. She's that's, going to bed. That's just setting yourself up for disaster. I know. Go to bed with no water next to you. Uh, what about any of the in the fox in the fox uh, apartment here? Nothing. Yeah. Also, uh, Nothing worth mentioning doing. one thing: a, a food item I see in the script. Oh. Uh, it mentions Patricia, and uh, it says Patricia is in the next room eating matzos. She does have a box on her on her ottoman there. Yeah. Yeah. We do have right here. We have the empty coffee cup. Oh, it's not his coffee cup. He takes it from a table. Ooh, he takes a coffee cup, an empty coffee cup from a table. Man. He's helping out. He's doing his part. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can count that, though. It's not a drink. I don't think it's so. just an empty cup. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that has been. So, Drink of the Up is the tea, tea refill. Fill. All right. That's very good. Okay. And then, um, should we do Hack of the Up? Uh, let's do Hack of the Up. Let's do Hack of the Up. All right, this is Hack of the App. Hack of the App is where you find a uh, inconvenience, you know, basically uh, just life being less than perfect, and then we make it perfect through technology. As with all things. Yeah. So what are the greatest inconveniences we see in these five minutes? Uh, let's see. Um, I would say, you know, the fact that Ka- uh, Kathleen cannot get information about what went wrong. Sure. Oh, that's been huge. Um... Yeah, both the night of, she's in a uh, tizzy, and then the next morning, they still can't find information. The fact that trains can suck people in and uh, and electrocute them? That is, uh, in her mind, that's that's a problem in her life. Yeah. It may not actually have happened, but it's, you know, a perceived problem. Um, uh, what else? Oh, um, the fact she doesn't have any new email. That is an issue. You know, it made her feel bad. It did. It did. What, what, what is a way, like, you know, this could be like an issue with blind dates in general. Like, you know, a blind date uh, being stood up, uh, you know, insurance plan uh, where you get an email that softens the blow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of getting to a, to a, to a fix. That's, yeah, saying, don't, yeah, don't get ahead of ourselves. But I'm, um, just saying, I'm just saying that the lack of a soothing email was a bug. That, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, th- I think that was that moment. I mean, I, I don't know about you. When I when she when it said no email, I literally shrieked. I turned off the movie. I, I I'm a little bit braver than you. <laughs> I continue watching it, but I shrieked and I held a, a napkin up to it. Nice. Uh, but you know, I, that's understandable. You know, this hacking music today is is bumping. This is good. Yeah, getting uh, into is, it. Is, is that oh? I'm gonna say I'm gonna put that down as the bug. Uh, okay, so the bug is not having not a having comforting email at a time of need. Not having a comfortable, comforting email message in a time of need. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, possible fixes. There could yeah. be like a solid thing. Like you could get a, like a nightly email that just has some good jokes mm. every day. Sure. Because like you know, it doesn't matter. You know, she might say like, "Oh, you know what? Uh, this doesn't really help me out in particular, but these jokes are so good." 
uh, that her knight had maybe saved. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Or it could be more specific, saying that she only sets it up in case uh, of, a, of a big event. So oh, so you're thinking it. she requests, like, hey, I think this might not work out, so I'm going to request a contingent, um, you know, or, or a contingency plan email that'll be yeah. comforting. Yeah, and the thing about this is, so she goes on a blind date. Yeah. Then the insurance, the blind date insurance company, needs yeah. to actually know when she comes back whether it was good or bad. Uh, there are two places they can actually, uh, you know, get that information. One is at Cafe Lalo. Yep. The other one is at the street uh, when they see that she throwing a rose, which is a bad sign. Totally. Uh, so if they have eyes in the street... Or, know, I mean, the other is she could notify them somehow. No, you want to be seamless. Yeah, totally. So I'd say, like, I think ideally you'd set up a security camera uh, by the trash can. Or a, a, a rose detector in the trash can. Oh, that's very smart. Yeah. So you would... Uh, you I just have a, have, a, have a machine learning trained uh, scale. And yes. <laughs> and if you see roses were thrown out... And if... And if if you, well, I think it's just weighing the trash can at all times. Yes, and, and it is waiting levels. for it. It is waiting for a, you know, a, a specific impact signature, which matches a you know a machine learning trained model of a rose. Uh, the trash fingerprint, if you will. The tr- yes, the tringer print. <laughs> tringer print. <laughs> so you're looking for a rose tringer print, and if you see a rose tringer print, then you send the email. Yes. Okay. So I think this the trigger is is perfect. Okay. Uh, but what do you do to make this better? Well, what do you what uh, what email is getting sent? Uh, is it plain text or the HTML? Uh, better be plain text because she her you know we don't we don't know whether her uh, client's going to support HTML. I think what she needs is okay, a fresh start. Yeah. So I think she should get an email from like uh, someone else. From uh, Adelphia. Like, from Adelphia. <laughs> What's that? Is, that? is that not a common enough ISP? Uh, oh, from okay. from Earthlink. Well, I would just say, I think, like, you know, she needs someone new. Like, you got the, uh, you know, my dog's name is Brinkley. Yeah. Classic fresh starts. There should be another guy with a new email saying, oh. my dog's name is blank. Oh, that's fun. I was thinking email from Brinkley. <laughs> but I think I'd be able to probably hit a little... I mean, that, that'd be hard because you actually yeah. have to set up some sort of communication chain with your blind date's dog. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. What if she gets an email from herself, from like her future self? Oh, that's very good. Because yeah. like past self, that's, you know, who cares? But yeah. future self. And yeah. It's in, they use machine learning to, to emulate. To predict self. what she might write to herself. Yeah. yeah. To ingest her entire archive of sent emails. Sure. Run, uh, what's the thing called? Um, uh, AlphaGo. No, the you know the the algorithm that Markov chain. No, the one that generates text based on other text. GPT four. GPT four. Run GPT four on all of her um, sent emails, and then generate a letter to herself from herself with the theme that everything is going to be okay. Uh, yeah, I think you would. You know, I think ideally, what would you hope this would happen here? The email would say, "Hey, Kathleen." It's you. It's well, Kathleen. first of first of all, the the sender is going to be future Kathleen. Sure. Yeah. So the future Kathleen says, "Hey, Kathleen, this is future Kathleen." Yes. Uh, I'm here from the future. I have some messages for you. Yes. Uh, you had a big night tonight. I know you did. Uh, you you zinged a little too hard. 
and hurt you. And I'm just here to know, I'll let you know, you know, uh, I have learned in the last year not to sing so hard, and I found true love with someone else. That's great. And I would say, like, you can, you can probably uh, piece that together from the same email. I think so. Okay, and so it we got her, the, gives her a sense of hope. So we have the we, yeah we've got it all we got it all working. Um, we need the the trash can sensor. And then at the end of the email it says, "Please uh, pay fifty dollars to this company." <laughs> yeah. Yep, you asked for it. Um, and yeah, so very yes, a very expensive service, but very worthwhile service. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. the peace of mind is beyond doubt. And she goes to work next morning and says. Uh, how'd the date go? And she says, you know what? I may have been stood up, but I got an email to make it all better. <laughs> and then yes. the credits say, you've got mail. And the credits roll. Yeah. That has been Hack Up the App. All right. Very good. Um, well, um, we've just got one thing left to do here, and that That's is... We have a couple things. Well, we've got one major thing left to do. That is we're going to do where in the air... So, we're going to take the where's I view. These five minutes, movie up until these five minutes, inclusive of these five minutes, movie as a whole, as a whole, including these five minutes and all the other five minutes. First, we will start with these five minutes. Are you ready? No, we start with the whole movie. (laughs) First, we'll start. Sorry, I I just got a little into trying to time what I was saying with with the beat of this music. And when you do that, you really forget what you're saying. The music makes you forget. <laughs> music makes you forget. Okay, Especially we're going to start with the movie by. as a whole as a whole. Ready? Three, two, two one, one, four, four stars. And a half stars. Oh, wow, it went up. Movie up until this point as a whole. Ready? Three, Point, two, two, one, one four, four and, a half stars. and a quarter stars. Okay. Uh, these five minutes. Ready? Sure. Three, Three two, two, one, four, four stars. stars. What? But you, where are you I said at? four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. I said four. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, we get, maybe. We get good a, UI shots. After last week where I felt just like, boy, not a whole lot of sink of teeth into. What a, what a toothsome five minutes. Oh, so much tooth. Yeah. So uh, many more, teeth. One more line from the script I just want to mention offhand. Okay. Uh, this is after Patricia. Patricia is talking to the scene. The next line is, this is the last part of the scene. It says, on Joe's face, barely bearing. Nice. Barely <laughs> so weird bearing. way to have that. But All that right. has been uh, where in the air. Where in the air. And now we're going to go for contact info. Here's okay. a good time. Here's, okay. You, here's, we'll do a question answer stop. You give me a prompt. I will answer it. I'll give you a prompt. You answer it. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one. I want to Twitter you at your full of. I want to email you. It's set up now. It's set up now. It's now set up. I want to go to your website. Earfulof.com. Very good. Very good. Very good. Okay. Ooh. Boy. <laughs> great good one good one great one um oh where how how far we've come how far we have come you know 
Uh, email, you know, email can cause problems, but it also can soothe you. It can. It creates problems and solutions. You know, like they say, no news is good news. That's not true for email. Uh, no email is bad news. That is so true. Uh, and by that token, any email is good news. And what you do with those emails? <laughs> what you do with those emails is that's up to up you. To